Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 87. My name's Tyler, and I'm here with Matt, and Matt is crumpling paper. Do you feel this way, Tyler? I feel like when we start the podcast, I'm instantly in a better mood. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling a little sick, and I feel just a little bit healthier as we start recording. (laughs) Matt, I I have to tell you something. This is not... I'm sorry, listeners, but I just need to tell Matt live on air. Tyler Huntley just got selected to the Pro Bowl. I do not know who he plays for. Is that kind of the point? He's Lamar Jackson's backup quarterback for the Ravens, who played about four games and threw two touchdowns while Lamar was hurt. Is everyone else just saying no to the Pro Bowl? Yeah, people are hurt or just backing out. Like, the Pro Bowl is just such a joke. And there's not even a game this year. Yeah, I mean, it's flag football now. Yeah, right. which Tyler Huntley is a running quarterback, so he'll probably be good at. Wow. But that's not what I was expecting you to say. What do you think I was going to say? I had no idea, but I didn't think you'd uh, make a Pro Bowl announcement. It's just it's just crazy how much of a joke the Pro Bowl is. Sorry, we, we can stop talking about football now. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. OK, what's going on today on the Valley View podcast? Uh, we are sponsored. So okay. that's good. I'll read that in just a minute. Um, I think you've got some listener feedback. Items. Yeah, we do. Okay. A couple weeks late, but is we haven't. Is this the first time anyone's ever hit you up at Poll Votes Tyler to respond to something? No, and actually, I have four comments, but only one of them was given to Pull Votes, Tyler. I got an email, a text, an in-person discussion, and a DM on Instagram. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll get to listener feedback. And then the um, the Old Testament Bible topic for today is the book of Joshua. And yeah. we'll have some um, intense discussion on some themes related to Joshua. Spend most of our time there today, I think. I we think don't so. have as much. Yeah. We're not as fun today. Yeah. Yeah. If you tuned in for fun... This is the wrong episode. This is the wrong episode for you. Um, but speaking of fun, uh, this episode is sponsored by Connor Landscaping of Anoka. Seems like we get a lot of landscapers. Of a city in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor Landscaping of Anoka, thank you. Um, spring is right around the corner, and Connor Landscaping is ready to serve you. With 20 full-time and fully bonded yard care specialists connor's got you covered for early treatments pest control regular maintenance and special applications we also provide design and build services for your landscaping project call today for your free consultation and estimate why do it all yourself this year relax and call connor 1-800-CONNOR-DOES-IT-ALL that's one long phone number is that even 1-800-CONNOR-DOES-IT-ALL. Is that even possible? I, I, think don't, that's, I don't think so. I think that's too many digits. I, I like the... I like it, though. I mean, it's memorable. Yeah. I don't know it's if It's memorable it, because it doesn't work. I don't know if it works, but... Uh, anyway, if you're looking for a landscaper, uh, check out Connor. Uh, even if you're not up by Anoka, 1-800-CONNOR-DOES-IT-ALL. Connor-DOES-IT-ALL. <laughs> okay. All right. The listeners have spoken. What have they said? Well, I should preface this by saying this feedback. I We got feedback on the uh, asking for a condiment at the table discussion, ah, um, which okay. listeners, this was, I think, two weeks ago for you. For us, it was less than a week. We're getting on a, a, just a, a, a window into Tyler and Matt's lives. Our Februarys are insane. Like, we're both out of town together for like three days. Then Matt's out of town for like four days. And then I'm out of town for like a week. Like, we're we're getting a backlog of podcasts so that we can continue to provide you with an episode a week. Yeah. So if you give me feedback and I don't, it's not talked about on a podcast for like a month. That's why, because uh, I think in the next week we're recording three podcasts. Um, 
anyways, the table discussion, the, if you'll remember, listeners, the discussion was, is it rude to ask for something that's not on the table when you're at somebody else's house? Right. Okay. And And just to recap, I think I said that it is rude to ask like we had someone ask for ranch yeah and and you felt like that was rude we always yeah yeah somewhere between rude amusing and confusing but then you also didn't think it was rude for me to ask you for hot sauce which was a little bit inconsistent right yeah um but the listeners have spoken and the listeners (laughs) have really shed some light on this um we had one person who really agreed with you one who really agreed with me and then two who I think synergize us, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Um one, the the person who agrees with you is actually Emily from Eden Prairie. Um oh. I talked to I talked to her in person recently. Nice. We talk okay. in person every once in a while. All right. I'm it, I'm married to her. Um <laughs> she said, well she actually said it's not rude, but she really agreed with you that she would feel really bad if uh the person didn't have it or if she was mm. the host and she didn't have it. Right, right. Because if she's the host, she would feel like, well, I'm the host, I'm supposed to have it because they asked, I failed. Exactly. So she might not. She said it depends on how much she needs the thing. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Yeah, for, I gave an example like that. Like I really feel like I need mustard with a hot dog. So yeah. that like drives me to actually cross the rude line. Yeah. Risk being rude. Well, yeah. this weekend actually, um she did ask we were at somebody's house and she did ask for something that wasn't at the table. Really? Are you at liberty to say like what it was? No, because I can't talk about it without making fun of her for it because I thought that the thing she requested was a mistake to request. <laughs> and I love my wife, so I don't want to put her on blast on the podcast. You thought it was a mistake. Yeah. A culinary mistake, like uh, wanting to put ketchup on a steak. Wow. That's actually exactly what it was. <laughs> Emily, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> But yeah, she wanted to put ketchup on prime rib, which she has the right to do that. And actually, the people we uh, the people we were with were very okay with it. Uh, they they didn't even they didn't give any indication that it was rude. Really? Even though I know the guy really like, I wouldn't <clears> be surprised <throat> if the guy was one who felt like, how could you put prime uh, ketchup on prime rib? Mm-hmm. But she yeah. asked for it. They gave it to her kindly, and she put ketchup on her prime rib. Okay, yeah. great. So so it worked out well. Yeah. Okay. But but so she she doesn't necessarily think it's rude. But I think she would be slower to ask because she's worried about making the host feel bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about ketchup is like you probably have it. Yeah, right. That's, like, that's true. That's a it's an easy assumption that yeah. they're gonna have that. True. On the other hand, we have Gustavo from where is he from Eden Prairie I think, too? I think uh, Gustavo's from Chan. Gustavo from Chanhassen, uh, <clears throat> who said I loved his response. Um, he said it's not rude to ask for something that's not at the table. He did say he would feel bad if a toddler asked, and he said no, and then the toddler started crying. He said that that would make him feel bad. And it would make me feel bad, too. Yeah. yeah. But I think the most helpful thing he added, which you've said this to me before. So it another confusing thing. Um, He said he'd feel worse knowing that the guest didn't feel comfortable enough to ask. Oh. Which you've said. You want people yeah. to feel so comfortable in your house that they can walk in and eat your food. That's true. That was on a previous episode. We talked about the sign of deep friendship is yeah. someone will just go open your fridge mm-hmm. and, and scrounge. So Gustavo really values that. Okay. So he he said it's not rude at all. He there are situations where he'd feel bad as the host, but that's just life. But like go he, ahead and ask. Okay. What he really wants is for someone to not feel bad about asking. Right. That's correct. Huh. I really appreciate that insight, yeah. Gustavo. Yeah. Um hmm. now the I got two other responses and they were saying almost exactly the same thing. And I think I think they're right. Like I think they've cracked the code. Um one is from Rory in Eden Prairie, and the other is from Anna in Eden Prairie. Mm-hmm. Um, Rory and Anna both say that in terms of whether or not it's rude to ask, 
it depends on how formal the the gathering is and how familiar you are with the person you're asking uh-huh. um which makes perfect sense like that's why you don't think it's rude for me to ask for hot sauce because it's usually informal and we're very familiar right. um right. on the other hand though this person who was asking you for ranch was that more of like a formal formal kind of dinner it wasn't formal it wasn't formal it but was... they weren't as familiar with you right right it was exactly. like the first time you'd had dinner together <laughs> First time in a long time. Okay. We weren't close friends. Okay. Okay. I would say. But but it was your whole families together? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, that is more formal. But it was in an informal, like our kitchen, you know, kids are kind of running around. It wasn't like, you know, cloth, napkin, candlelight. It wasn't like that level, but maybe it depends on your definition of formal. That's true. Because I would, I mean, I agree that it's not like that, but I would say having two full families there adds a sense of formality to it. That's true. As yeah. opposed to when I'm at your house and just Emily and I are having a meal with you or like we're at a young adult gathering and it's like a bunch of sure. not full family. Like it just, yeah. that's just more informal. You're right. You're right. So I think that Rory and Anna are right, that it depends on formality and familiarity. Mm-hmm. If it's an informal gathering and or if you're really familiar with the person it's mm-hmm. not weird or rude to ask mm-hmm. but if it's someone you've just met or it's like a very formal like i feel like if i'm at like a wedding right i'm not going to ask for something that they don't have unless it's like unless it feels like i'm at a restaurant you know <laughs> like in, in a more formal gathering i'm not going to ask thanksgiving it's probably weird to ask i might if i'm familiar with them but there, there's a barrier up there you go to a wedding and they're serving tacos and you ask for mashed potatoes right <laughs> well no that's actually the at Thanksgiving is a great example. Thanksgiving with my family, it's formal, but I would ask because I'm very familiar with them. Thanksgiving with Emily's extended family, I probably wouldn't ask because it's formal and I'm unfamiliar mm-hmm. with them. I think Rory and Anna maybe should team up and uh, write an etiquette book. Honestly, I mean, they're on the right track with this. Yeah, it's probably time for a, a revision of the Emily Post etiquette, um, the old standard, to be just, <laughs> just be updated. And it sounds like Rory and Anna are the ones to tackle that project. Yeah, that's a so. great response. Even though I personally agree with Gustavo's answer the most. <laughs> I like the alliter- the alliterative quality, too, of the answer, the uh, formality and familiarity. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. something we can all put in our back pocket. Put that in a sermon. Take with us on the road. <laughs> like when we go into that hostile environment of dinner with someone else, we got to gauge it by... Am I formal with them? Am I familiar with them? Yeah. What, what do I think about this? Yeah, that's our, that's our new rubric. Well, that was a whole discussion. That actually went like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. Yeah. So we were worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about this week. So I've got one other question for you, Tyler. And okay. maybe it's better to ask it now instead of waiting till the end of the pod. We, I don't know, we might probably won't have time. Um, and it's more, it's, this is kind of along the same lines. It's a social, it's a social question. Which are kind of our favorite questions on the podcast. We do like those. And this is another one where our listeners will probably have some good feedback for us. Um, but Super Bowl season is coming up. The Super Bowl right? is decided. Well, the list for the listeners, they know who won. Okay, there you go. So Super Bowl is on the mind. My question is, um, if you're invited to a Super Bowl party, mm-hmm. is it rude to actually watch the Super Bowl? Um, if it's rude, I don't want to not be rude. <laughs> I mean, so what? Just what if you? go into the Super Bowl party you've been invited to and you just sit on the couch and watch the game the whole time. I say, Okay, first of all, I say unequivocally, no, it's not rude. It's okay. called a Super Bowl party. I think you can I think you can be rude while watching the game, but I don't think that watching the game is rude. Watching the game itself is not rude. No. How, how could one potentially be rude while watching the game? Oh, if they do what you said, like if they just sit on the couch and don't speak. Like if you try to engage with them and they're like unwilling to say anything or explain like, oh, I just really care about this game. (laughs) 
I mean, a perfect example of this is last year. Last year's Super Bowl, it was Bengals and Rams. I'm a right. huge Bengals fan. The Bengals <laughs> are my favorite team. They're my favorite team since I was nine. Like I, I had trouble sleeping this year when they lost in the in the AFC Championship game. We were just talking about if that's healthy or not. It's not. Um, I at that Super Bowl party that I was at. I'm the youth pastor, right? Like I'm at a youth group Super Bowl party. I. I mean, you should be there to engage. To yeah. The nth degree, right? Yep. This oh, is absolutely. Prime engagement time. Okay. Which I think I did. Like I was still talking to people, hmm. but you better believe my eyes were on the screen for like that entire game. So I, I think that I, I think that it's crazy to suggest that just watching a game, watching the Super Bowl at a Super Bowl party is rude. But yeah, I think that if you're going to a party, there is an expectation that you'll at least be pleasant to people, right? Like, or like when you get up to get food, maybe like say a nice word to somebody as you're okay. as you're talking to them. So there is an obligation to have some level of social interaction. Yeah, even otherwise, even if you're just watching the game, otherwise you should just watch at home. Like you don't have to go to the party. It's not enough to just be present among other people and like engage i think it's know. enough as long as you're polite okay right like right. well yeah yeah i, I, I just think that when you cross the line from like being focused on the game to being mm-hmm. rude mm-hmm. because there is that there is a line like you can be focused on the game and be nice and be focused on the game and be rude about it true i think when you're True. crossing the polite yeah. to rude line you should have just stayed home and watched by yourself <laughs> okay, okay. I, do, I do recognize that there are like you know, there are, there are people who don't really have a choice in the matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if your spouse really wants to go to a Super Bowl party and you feel like you're obligated to go because mm-hmm. they want to have the social interaction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you might be put in a weird situation because you don't want to be there. You just want to be watching the game. True. But I wondered if um, all the people that are at the party to socialize, enjoy the food, talk together, if they kind of look down on the people who are like, just watch, oh, they're watching the game. Like, oh, I think they do, too. And I think that it goes both ways because i've <laughs> i i've heard both like i've heard people yeah. who are there like annoyed mm-hmm. that somebody isn't engaging mm-hmm. but honestly because i'm like more of a sporty guy like i run in like mm-hmm. sports oriented circles mm-hmm. like i've heard so many people who have well, not maybe not so many but i've heard more than one person who have talked about how they don't want to go to super bowl parties anymore because it's just so distracting like they're at the super bowl party and everyone's yeah. just talking and then they get quiet for the commercials and then they start talking during the game again like That's exactly what can happen yeah well it is if you if you don't care about sports but you're there for the social gathering you're going to watch mm-hmm. the commercials but you don't really care about the game also one other aspect of this is that i think uh for guys who a lot of times can tend to be more non-social like task, have, task oriented yeah having the game to focus on as like a topic for conversation can be really helpful That's true. instead of just having to create conversation ex nilo you know you've got something just just even start the conversation oh yeah i feel that way like, for sure like hey who are you going for or do you care who wins this game or man that was a horrible call uh, that kind of stuff oh i mean i don't know if i don't know if um people oriented humans understand how important having a shared task is to task oriented people yeah, yeah like i'm i'm super task oriented some people would be surprised by that because I do really care about people a lot. Yeah. But like, I'm super task oriented. I can't tell you how nice things like a football game or disc golf. Like if I'm like, if I'm disc golfing with somebody, that's like my ideal hangout because the space is created to talk about something serious or real. But if I don't have that, I can say, oh, nice shot. Oh, you almost had that putt. Oh, great putt. So I know I've heard you say before that you view eating as a task. Yeah. So is it in the same category? Like if you've got at least got eating to do with someone that that's kind of a task oriented thing that's really helpful for conversation. Does that qualify the same way as disc golf or a a game? I think it's adjacent. I don't think it's the same Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to like really talk about the food. 
Like that feels like talking about the weather. So, (laughs) however, I think it is adjacent because not only do I enjoy having the task, I enjoy having like something to do with myself, like something to do with my hands. Mm -hmm. Like, I I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's more just due to me personally being like jittery and like flighty. Um, But yeah, having, having food to eat, like kind of like calms me down a little bit or like gives me, Mm -hmm. gives me something menial to do. That's why I think, and I think this is true for kids, like students, you can let me know if you agree with this, but like, I feel like some of my best conversations, both as a kid and now with kids happen in the car because there's the menial task of driving that I'm doing. And you don't like, especially for guys who are sometimes more uncomfortable with intimacy, you don't have to look in each other's eyes. Like, I just feel like some of my best conversations have happened in the car because it's, <clears throat> it's, it's providing a task and it's providing an, an outlet. Mm-hmm. Like it just, yeah, that that's kind of like, that was kind of a rabbit trail, but speaking of a task, <clears throat> What's going on in the book of Joshua? Oh, Israel's given a task. Nice segue. Thanks. The ta- that, that was a good segue because we spent more time on nothing than we thought we would this week. Yeah, thanks. We just gave each other knucks. No caress, just knucks this week. It was the knuck that results from a good segue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they got a task. Um, <clears throat> they're crossing over the Jordan. They're supposed to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land, Canaan, right? Mm-hmm. Joshua is given the mantle of leadership because Moses died and God tells him, be strong and courageous. You know, I'll be with you. Um, Drive these people out and claim the territory as your own. This is my gift to you. This place of provision, abundant provision to live. Right. So that's the basic outline. You see them start. They've got a few false starts. They do good. They do bad. They, um, are working at the task God's given them. <clears throat> but um, so that's the big storyline. But I know you had some questions, uh, maybe uh, moral questions related to what we see happening in Joshua. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about um, the questions that you have? Oh, do I get to put you on the spot? Sure. Crazy. I'm probably not <laughs> on the spot. I think you researched a little bit before this. But no, I mean, I I mean, I, I would say think about it. Yeah. I would say the like, <clears throat> it's not only in Joshua, but the the problems presented to christianity that are very apparent in joshua Mm -hmm. are like some of the most concerning for me like as someone on the inside of christianity right like i can Mm -hmm. totally see why people who are not christians Mm -hmm. are bothered by joshua and stories like it so yeah i hope this is a really helpful episode for the listeners to be able to listen to and i've got i mean i've got concerns of my own Mm -hmm. some of them might overlap with yours or maybe they don't but um i think it'll be helpful for um, believers to hear you talk about your thought process and what you see in this material and how you wrestle with it. So go go ahead. I mean, I just, I have trouble with all the killing, right? Like I, I have trouble with the like completely destroy the city of people, their women and children, their animals, everything, wipe them out, leave no trace of them on the earth. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it in other places in the Bible too, but there's just a lot of it in Joshua. I mean, how do you, how do you respond to a concern like that? Well, Number one, I, I think it's a valid concern because, um, you know, we talk, especially in January, we talk about th- something called the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. God is the author of life. We should value life. We have every person is an image bearer, worthy right. of respect, dignity, preserving life, no matter if that life is inconvenient to you or not. So anytime uh, we see God taking an active role in death, then I think it's a legitimate thing to talk about yeah that's so not to 
give put a question on top of a question yeah. but like the active role of god is the concerning thing to me mm-hmm. because in like judges the book we'll talk about next week there's a lot of killing i mean there's lots of killing all over the bible mm-hmm. um but typically the killing is is or the murdering whatever however you want to call it you mm-hmm. probably want to define that but like typically when people are dying it's the vibe if you're paying attention is not that this is a good thing but mm-hmm. this is a thing that's happening mm-hmm. like and, and it's making it, it's building the case of how bad human sin is and what it leads to the concerning thing about joshua is that it's god saying go and kill these people mm-hmm. yep so yeah i agree so the first thing is i think it's a legitimate question it's a good question to ask second thing is that the <clears throat> the scriptures are clear that um the destruction of the people in canaan isn't simply so that god can like boot out the old residents to give his beloved people a nice place to live Right. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's not like the tenants of the land have been exemplary tenants and doing a, a great job. And he's Killing like, a bunch of nice guys. Yeah. And yeah. He's like, oh, I want, you know, I, I want my people to live here. So you're going to die. The scriptures are clear that Israel is God's instrument to judge the people in the land for their abominations. You know, there's child sacrifice going on. There's idolatry. I mean, there's a, a lot of sin in this land. It's been very offensive to God. And what those inhabitants experience is the judgment of God for their sin against him at the hands of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Israel is God's instrument. So I think one important question is, does God have the right to judge the Canaanites for their sin? Mm-hmm. And if that judgment looks like destruction, is that okay? And what would you say about that? I mean, yes, I would say that that's fair, Mm -hmm. right? Like if God is the creator of everyone Uh and everything, he has the right to do with it as he pleases. Okay. So if we've gotten that far, then. All right. Let me be more specific though. He, um, he has the right to do what will bring him the most glory, which he knows in all of his knowledge. Mm -hmm. I want to be specific Mm -hmm. about that because if you just say what pleases him, then well, what if what pleases him is something bad? Sure. You know? Right. So if we've gotten that far that the inhabitants are sinful God has the right to judge them because of their sin, include like judgment by destruction, then take the next step. So now why is the killing um, problematic? If we've gotten this far, they're guilty. God has the right. They die. Because of the women and children. Okay. Especially the children. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, because I'm totally on board with like, people are going to die and people are going to be judged Mm -hmm. like that. That's a, a theme in the Bible. So if God's using Israel as his instrument, I mean, there are like little quirks with that. Like you're having a flawed yeah. people themselves execute, execute the judgment, but I can still, mm-hmm. I, I can see that, mm-hmm. but the judgment upon children, some of whom are probably young mm-hmm. enough that they haven't consciously done anything wrong mm-hmm. is still an issue. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? What about the women? I mean, I, I, I see where you're going there just in terms of the, you know, women, especially at that time, were not part of the war mechanism mm-hmm. right um is it just the fact that they were basically civilians in a way that the men were not right like they men? weren't they weren't actively fighting back right. i mean and so it's would, not that they weren't guilty right and when you're talking about the judgment mm-hmm. um that's why i specifically said children right mm-hmm. because yeah. the the women are not part of the war mechanism like you said they're not fighting back mm-hmm. but if we're talking about god executing his judgment on guilty people mm-hmm. I, I can see the women being included in that yeah um it's the children like yeah. 
that have not consciously done anything wrong. <clears throat> so I I don't know if this is going to be a satisfying answer, but I have two points of response. Sure. Th in thinking about the children, okay. Um, and the first and the first thing is I think it's very legitimate to have this concern, and I share I share the concern as well. Like mm -hmm. it just it doesn't sit right. Yeah. In a heart that um, values life and loves God. And yet I affirm that everything God does is just and right, Yeah. even if I can't understand it. It's good that you say that, because I think that's the most honest place to start is like, regardless mm -hmm. of if you're content with your answer to it, mm -hmm. it's it's still tough. Like, it's a tough yeah. answer. It, it is. So, number one, um, I believe our at least the way I read the Bible, my theology instructs me that no one is innocent. So even children who haven't necessarily done anything wrong yet are still you know, sinners from their mother's womb <laughs> it, This, in the same way that Israelite children would have been, <laughs> right? So no, no innocent person actually died would be my contention, that everyone had guilt before God. That's my first point. Again, maybe not satisfying, but my second... I have a response to that point, but you can give your second one first. Okay. My second point is just that um, Israel, so the people perpetrating the destruction, the people carrying out God's judgment, they themselves also receive the same kind of judgment many years sure. later. Mm -hmm. That it's not as if God's chosen people, you know, are totally protected and these sinful people, you know, are judged and die through warfare and destruction of infants and horrible type things. I mean, Israel themselves, Israel and Judah, both received the same punishment at the hands of the Babylonians and the Assyrians years later when they're sent into exile. So it's not like God protects Israel from all of this same type of judgment, right. mm -hmm. which, again, is that satisfying? Is that helpful? I don't know. I think that helps me a little bit just to know that he doesn't show favoritism right. in that way. Right. Um, so go, go ahead. Well, I just I feel like it would be fair if I there's like a slight theological difference between you and I that we talk about every once in a while about yeah. the innocence of newborns mm -hmm. um not even really like taking a firm stance but just providing an alternative perspective if a listener doesn't like your answer yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um which they very well may not <laughs> the the other side of like if, if you don't want to take the perspective that newborns are guilty um, another perspective I've heard that was at least interesting, I mean, we can talk about whether or not it's right, but another perspective I heard that was interesting was that allowing those newborns to die, if they aren't guilty, you could look at it as God saving them. Because if you let them grow up in Canaanite culture and be instructed in Canaanite ways, they are going to, I mean, like any other human being, they're going to commit sin that would make them guilty. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe infants are guilty, and these infants get killed before whatever the age of accountability is, then God can save them because they have not deserved hell. Hmm. So you probably, I know you disagree with that. And I don't know if I fully agree with it, but it isn't, yeah, it's a perspective right. I heard in, in an academic context. Absolutely. So there's something behind it. Absolutely. It's a very difficult issue. Right. And I don't claim that my answers are, you know, the end or right. even the right ones. Mm -hmm. It's just the best I can do to try to understand what we see there. And in the end, just say, I don't know if I can understand it fully, but I, I do believe in a, a just and good God. Can I throw one more question in with yeah. two and a half minutes left? <laughs> it kind of it kind of shoehorns off of sure. a discussion we had a couple weeks ago. Um, so an answer that neither of us mentioned, but that I think is legitimate, 
is that in a lot of the cases where it's saying like kill them all get rid of them all Mm -hmm. it's likely hyperbole because it says kill them all completely destroy them and then don't intermarry with them Mm. there are cities that get totally destroyed Mm -hmm. but in a lot of the cases it looks like there's some some cultural hyperbole going on okay um i didn't realize that oh okay well we can go back and look and yeah. maybe I'll be wrong and we can say I'm sure, it next no, week. I'm, but, I'm, sure you're, I'm sure you're right. I'm but there, sure there right. are verses where, if I remember it, it says like, destroy them, completely mm-hmm. get rid of them, yeah. and then don't intermarry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like why, yeah, why is that there if it's not if the first verse is not hyperbole? Yeah. I mean, there are cities, like AI, I think, is totally destroyed. And that's like a military place, Jericho too. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the places, it, it's more of that formula. Almost like destroy the fighting yeah. contingent. Yeah. But then don't intermarry with the women that are left. Which leads to which leads to my next question: Is that if they're when when that's the case, mm-hmm. when it's like destroy them and then don't intermarry with them, mm-hmm. usually it's like enslave them, like mm-hmm. have them be your servants or your slaves. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to the talk that we had, and I think I mentioned in like Leviticus or Numbers. I think it was probably Leviticus or Deuteronomy. Yeah, where we get this weird picture where God seems to be like saying yeah you can have those slaves Mm -hmm. or like yeah you can beat those slaves just don't kill them Mm -hmm. what how do we respond to that because that's another one that seems like god not respecting quality of life or sanctity of life Mm -hmm. like yeah you can you can take these image bearers and put them in bondage Mm -hmm. i don't have a good answer to that oh you know i i wish i did and i feel like i probably should but at this point um i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think i understand it well enough um culturally and even if I did, I'm not sure I would be able to offer anything. I, I just, I know that God does not need to be defended by me, least of all by me. Sure. And I, um, I know that the thinking person and the thinking public will usually want a defense of God's character. But in the end, I think God has finally defended his own character at the cross through the giving of his son. And I think I'd rather just take my final stand there and say his character is beyond question because of what he's demonstrated in Jesus. Mm. I don't understand some of the things we see in the Old Testament um, or even in the New sometimes, but um, I think that's about as much as I'd want to say. Mm. Anyway, what do you any any feedback from you on that question? Is that something you're still wrestling with? I mean, I was hoping you'd have like a single <laughs> bullet answer. <laughs> I mean, sorry to disappoint. We talked about this one time a couple of years ago, and you mentioned that God does condescend in all of his interactions with people, mm-hmm. and sometimes that leads him to doing things that are confusing to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably start there. Mm-hmm. I haven't really developed that as much as I'd like, mm-hmm. but I will say, I mean, that is the one question that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Like there are other questions that I have, mm-hmm. but that is the 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 question of slavery in the Old Testament is the one that I'm not satisfied with what I have. Mm-hmm. Which yeah makes me which makes me okay with saying what you say that like if all of the rest of my questions have answers that satisfy me Mm -hmm. i'm willing to stand on the character of god in this one thing Mm -hmm. so maybe as we go through the old testament i'll be reminded of more questions that i'm not satisfied with my answer to yeah but if i have one thing that i have trouble with i will still follow the god who saved me yeah so wonderful maybe our listeners will have some feedback on that yeah maybe they've done some study in this area that they could help us out and share a perspective so we welcome that for sure at poll votes tyler p-o-l-l votes tyler or text me or email me anything let me know uh let me know what to do about slavery in the bible especially in the old testament but so we get judges next time we do and i like talking about judges it's Mm. tomorrow for us it's next week for you guys all right all right have a good one everybody go Bengals. well they lost (laughs) 